Buenos dias. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the vision for you big book study. My name is Lorenzo. That's Larry K. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 17, 2020. Today we're reading from the big book and we're currently on page six in Bill's story, the first paragraph, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness. And we're going to read the one paragraph only. Today's readers, we have Randy G. on the 12 Steps and um, Yvette L. on the 12 Traditions. And the readers of the text are Katie G., Vanita L., and Irene B. And we have uh, for, let's see, the newcomer greeter, we have Rick J. after this hour. And the host for the second hour is Matt F. The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, September 16th, that number for the 7 a.m. meeting is 15,000. 365. That's 15365. And the 10 a.m. meeting, 15,368. 15368. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Now, I'll now ask uh, Randy G to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, everybody. Randy G. from Florida with our 12 steps. One, we have admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact natures of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thanks so much, Randy. Uh, I'll now ask Yvette L. if she'd be kind enough to uh, to sing the 12 traditions, perhaps in a 
like a G major event. Can you do that? <laughs> I'll do my best, Larry. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, good morning. This is Yvette. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New Britain, Connecticut. Um, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Yvette. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year. For readers, it's six months, and there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And of course, we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then of course, press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're, we're back in the uh, big book in Bill's story, page six, the first paragraph. Katie's going to tell us all about the remorse, horror, and hopelessness. <laughs> Hi, Katie. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hey, Larry Kay. Great to hear you. <clears throat> Katie G. Recovered Compulsive Eater. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. I hardly dared cross the street, lest I collapse and be run down by an early morning truck for it was scarcely daylight, <clears throat> excuse me. An all night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. My writhing nerves were stilled at last. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I, the market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. 
God would fix that. So two bottles and oblivion. You know, I mean, how many mornings did I wake up? Um, how many at times did I spend in horror, in intense, in intense fear, gruesomeness, hideousness? I didn't know where I had been the night before, um, waking up with food half chewed in my mouth. I mean, I absolutely can relate to Bill and that the courage to battle, to not eat no matter what, to will myself away from the food was just not there, right? And I, I had I had no power. This is lack of power. That is my dilemma. I have no I have no food of choice, right? Like food is my drug of no choice. When I put certain foods, ingredients, and, and behaviors into my body, this is what happens to me. My writhing nerves, you know, I remember, you know, before I even had the, um, the oblivion that food did to me as a little girl, I, I just had these writhing nerves. Like I think of this intense, like raw, uncovered nerve walking around and, and playing bumper cars. And that was me, you know, like I just, it didn't matter uh, what was going on, but both externally and internally, I was a writhing nerve. And I didn't just like want to eat the food. It wasn't even about the food. It was, I needed what Bill talks about, oblivion. You know, I am, my thinking, it's not my feeling, my thinking, the way I process reality is so selfish and self-centered and painful that the only state that I wanted prior to being recovered is to being oblivious, unaware of what's happening around you, unconscious and completely forgotten. And how many times did I think oblivion was better than showing up to life? I, I just, I, you know, and I, I'm... I'm struck by what he talked about, you know, the market would recover, but I wouldn't. I mean, how how many times have I thought that? Like, there's this horrible tragedy going on, but, you know, I'm, I'm worse. I'm sicker. I don't know that he meant that, but that's kind of how it struck me this morning. Um, and I have to tell you, the privilege of being a recovered woman today for these 24 hours, which, be careful, recovered does not mean cured. I am not cured. Um, I, I do not suffer from compulsive eating, from anorexia, from bulimia, um, from body and mental obsession. However, I have to be on guard because I still am a relief seeking missile. I don't want relief. If you want relief, that's great, but, but hang on. Because if you get entirely abstinent and go through the steps, there's something so much better than relief. It's freedom. And with God today, I don't need oblivion. I don't need oblivion to face life. Because either, you know, the storm is coming or it's here. Life is going to life all over us. But it doesn't have to change what I do internally and externally. Those, those things, and I'll wrap up with this, Larry, can match and I don't have, I, I can be calm. I can be sober, considerate, and helpful, regardless of what's going on today. And that is a privilege only found from God in these 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks for getting us started, Katie. Okay, we're going to take some names here in last initials. Uh, we were, we read, Katie read from page six, the first paragraph. We love to hear new voices, especially ones that that are scared and don't think they have much to say. We love the diversity of uh, new voices. So with that said, who would like to share? Harlan G. Larry, Larry G. Terry N. Lou B. Okay. Lou? Susie L. Michelle H. Michelle? Emily D. Tracy. Emily. Okay, here's what I've heard so far, you guys. I heard Harlan. 
Larry, Terry, Lou, Susie, Michelle, and Emily. Anybody else? Any other scared voice other than Harlan? Okay. Well, we'll get you on the. <clears throat> we'll Janet get you around the bend. Janet. Joycey. Was that Joyce? Joy, last initial C. Joy to the world. Okay, let's go with this. Let's start with Javi Baez, followed by Larry. Javi, good morning. Shortstop Javi Baez from Scottsdale. Press star one. Can you hear me now? That's better. Okay. <laughs> he did good last night. He got the hit. Um, Harlan G., recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's take a look at the paragraph. And the paragraph is very, very indicative of the progressive nature of the disease. The disease has three characteristics and two traits. The traits are the physical allergy and the twist of the mind and the mental blank spot, actually three. Uh, and the disease is permanent, progressive, and fatal. But let's go back to page one, very bottom of page one. I fancied myself a leader for had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation. My talent for leadership, I imagine, would place me at the head of vast enterprises, which I would manage with the utmost assurance. Put a, put a, a pick in that because we're going to come back to it. Now it says here on page two, it says in the first paragraph, though my drinking was not yet continuous, page three, my drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. Now page four, very top of the page, it says here, every day and every night, page four, he's looking at people and they're jumping off the towers of high finance, and he's looking down on them, he went back to the bar. Now let's go back to page six here. Let's take a look at the amounts he's drinking. Let's take a look at the fact that he is now suicidal. He has now joined the ranks of the people who would rather die than live, and that's what this disease does. It ransacks, vandalizes, putrefies and commits arson to areas of our life other than other than just the consumption of food and let's take a look at the amounts that he's drinking now it says here an all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale that would that would get a, a rhinoceros drunk now he's thinking two bottles of gin and oblivion He's drinking for the sickest reason of all now. He's drinking for oblivion. So we see, can I relate to the way Bill thinks? Can I relate to the way Bill drinks? The older I got, the more I ate. The more I ate, the more I wanted to die. The more I wanted to die, the quicker the other areas of my life deteriorated. And then God whispered on the ember of my heart that still remained uncharred. And when it burst into flames and I wanted to live more than I wanted to die, 
I started to take action after action after action that I did not yet believe in. And we're now going to come into 1931, and in 33, we're going to see on the next page next week that he's going to have a miracle happen. He's going to meet Silkworth, but we're still in 1931, and we've got a couple of years to go till 1933. So with that, I will go back to the Cubs dugout and have my seat. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for your service. Thanks, Arlen. Okay, next up we have Larry in California, followed by Terry. Hey, Larry, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Larry from California. What a powerful way to start my morning. Um, well, we see Bill here, who is halfway there. He hasn't surrendered yet, but he's halfway there. And he no longer can muster the will um, to talk himself, to make promises to Lois. He knows he's a goner. Um, and I too was a goner on May, May 17th. Um, I had gone to a sort of place the night before I had purchased uh, 40 ounces of cake, um, a gallon of ice cream, a box of ice cream sandwiches and a tub of macaroni cheese. And I sat on the couch on May 17th and California's up in flames. People are protesting the streets. And I knew was a, I was a goner. Um, and we'll soon see that Bill surrenders and I called out to God I had just eaten three dinners and I was sick and dying from food poisoning and I called out to God and I said God if you're there I, I need help and and Divine Mother answered um, and, and she took me to her to her breast and carried me to visions like a small child just like a mother carries a child and God said to me I'm, I'm going to take you to these people and You stay with these people and get your nose in this book and you too can have entire abstinence. And you know, I knew intuitively that entire abstinence was possible because I'm an alcoholic. I have entire sobriety for 39 years. And I know there's pockets of OA. I knew there's pockets of OA throughout the world that believe black and white abstinence. And I was told it was not possible. And now today I'm with people, the, the reader on this started this with a conviction, her voice recovered. I know it's possible and I'm experiencing it. And I'm not talking to the old timers out there. I'm talking to people just like me who are brand new that are sick and dying, dying from food poisoning. Uh, come with us, join us, do what it's do do what's asked from us. Uh, I'm reading out of this book this morning. I've had it for forty years. It's fallen apart. And I'm finding the answers in this book, and today I'm entirely in absence. I pass. Uh, so glad you're here, Larry. Okay, next up is Terry, followed by Lou. Terry, good morning. <clears throat> good morning, Larry. This is Terry N. calling from New Jersey. And you ask for people who have a lot of fear. That's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I thought, okay. So that it, it worked. Um, no, actually, I prayed this morning, and I asked God for the strength and the courage to to get on the line and be honest and let people know where I'm at because um, I I want to continue in my journey to recovery. Um, so by only only by the grace of God, I am not experiencing the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning. Um, yesterday was a struggle, and um, you know I had. I have this idea in my head every so often, you know, like the mental obsession comes on 
And it tells me that, you know, if I pick up, it's going to do something for me. The food will do something for me. And that, like my sponsor says, you know, the lies that I tell myself that it's going to do something for me. And the last time I read this paragraph um, through when I read, went through this, the book again, that line of my writhing nerves were stilled at last really jumped out at me because um, it was that. I was looking for something to come or to maybe quell the emotions. Um, it's a very emotional time right now, which is not, <clears throat> it's just life, you know. Um, experience a lot of a lot of sadness and a lot of emotion. And the, you know, like it said, <clears throat> excuse me, it says the market will recover, but I wouldn't. And I, I would think yesterday, I was thinking, you know, you guys can recover, but I'm just going to be like, I'm just going to be this chronic relapser. And, you know, I text that to someone, to my sponsor, and, you know, the response was nonsense. And I thought, you know what, like, that's just some lame excuse for me not to, to, to take the action that I need to take. Because, you know, the only way that I'm going to get through the only way that I can overcome this disease is, is, is a power greater than myself. And I have to go to God and I have to remember to always go to God. And, you know, I was in my car and I just cried out to God and I asked him, please just help me, you know, please help me. And I, and I reached out to people and I, I prayed and, you know, I am so grateful that I put my head on that pillow last night accident. And, um, you know, if I just take, you know, like somebody already said, action, 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 you know, move a muscle, <laughs> do something. And, you know, I too can recover. It says there that anybody can. And, you know, this, this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And I need all the help I can get. And I appreciate everybody being here. And thanks for letting me share. Oh, we're glad you shared, Terry. Okay, next up is Lou, followed by Susie. Hey, Lou, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for hearing my voice this morning, and good morning, everyone. I'm Lou B., um, a recovered compulsive overeater living in Texas, and I'm so grateful to be here with you guys this morning. So the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. You know, for years before I stumbled into the rooms, the first thought that would occur to my brain when I gained consciousness in the morning was, you are a piece of dirt. I would use another word, but you are a piece of dirt. And the day would go from there. That was the foundation I built, you know, for for years. And um, it was complete self-loathing, complete hopelessness, horror, and remorse. And that's what, uh, you know, ruled my life. So I'm grateful to hear this morning about the progressiveness of the disease as it's laid out here in the pages. Um, that is exactly how it happened for me. I mean, I, you know, I guess I had, let's see, about, about uh, how many years? 20 years. Uh, you know, my disease really, the, the first memory that I have of being really fearful and freaked out about the way I ate was when I was a teenager. And um, I came into the rooms in my mid-30s. I had a one-year-old son and a four-year-old son and the the point that my disease had reached before I got here was um, 
you know, I remember wanting oblivion, like when one of them wouldn't nap, and all I wanted for them was to just leave me alone, and they wouldn't nap, and they'd be crying in their bed, and I'd be in the kitchen shoving food in my mouth, just wanting it to go away and and feel that oblivion. Um, you know, so the last morning, I remember the, the morning, because I was familiar with 12-step programs, because I was in another program, and the last morning before I got here, I remember I woke up, and I had pizza and a Dr. Pepper for breakfast, you know, and one of the last tricks in my bag that worked was that I just wouldn't eat until, you know, mid-afternoon, and uh, that that time got earlier and earlier and earlier, you know, as my disease progressed, I could maybe make it until, you know, 1, and then 11, and then 10, and then 9, and then that last morning, I just was like, you know, you know what this, um, I'm just going to do it. And and that's what I did. You know, I mean, my courage to do battle was not there. It was just not there anymore. I had tried all the tricks in my bag and none of them worked. Um, so I, uh, I'm really super grateful to have found this, this place, you know, this haven with you and this book and the words in it. And I'm grateful for, you know, my life. Someone told me once I can't live with uh, excess food and sugar and I can't live without it, either of them. And uh, that's the truth for me. You know, the steps and God give me my life back. And I find my my God, my higher power through the steps and through the fellowship and through working with others and getting out of myself and looking for ways each day to be of service. So thank you for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Uh, it's great to hear you, Lou. Okay, next up is Susie, followed by Michelle. Susie. Susie, did I scare you away? Press star one. Hi. No, you didn't scare me away. Can you hear me? You are. I can. Okay, great. Hi, here's Susie. I'm a recovered um, compulsive overeater and sponsor. I my um. Well, I think this is so. I I I I love to read Bill's story over and over again because it just reminds me so much of where I used to be and how how crazy this this sickness is that we are in um, and um, it is really serious and. What I love about this fellowship is we all have been through that. So we really know and can help each other so well because we know exactly what we are talking about. I remember that, like, I had, um, I've been going through decades of, like, crazy dieting, self-help therapy, everything that you can name. And then um, really right before I came, and I even heard about it a, a year before I came to the program, but I thought like, ah, I don't need that. My mind was just like really cocky and arrogant and didn't think that um, that, that it needs help or that I need help. Um, and then before I came to A, I had like such a crazy um, um, overeating period where I just literally couldn't stop eating except for when I was sleeping and uh, my body was aching. I I was in a hole and I couldn't, I didn't know how to get out of it anymore. I didn't understand anything anymore because I've been doing so much. I've been trying so many different strategies, human aid strategies to, 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 to get out of it, but nothing helped. And that's how I found OA that when I decided, okay, I'm going to hop on a call and I am so grateful for, 
for that my higher power led me to OA and I am so grateful for being on this call. My life has changed in so many, so much. Um, like I don't, life is now really what I'm interested in. It's, I don't need to hide from anything. I don't need to be resentful, fearful about anything anymore because I know my higher power is with me. And there, it's not every day like sunshine now in the program, but like even the worst day in program is better than any normal day in my sickness. And I know now that like whatever challenges I'm faced with, it's life and I, I'm going to grow. And that is just really, really beautiful. And also to, to, I, I had always this victim thing. I was always the victim of everything, my circumstances, my, my, um, the people around me, everything. And, and my sickness, of course, like <laughs> the whole eating disorder history. And now I am, I could turn it around and actually make something really good out of it by being able to help other people by doing service. So now I actually can see that as kind of a power, which I would never thought before. And yeah, and so I'm really grateful for the call. Thank you so much. I will pass. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Susie. Grateful you're here. Okay, next up, Michelle, followed by Emily. Michelle Arbel. Hi, Michelle. If I had a dollar for every time <laughs> someone saying that to me, actually, that was a great way to start. Um, I'm still kind of new, not really, but um, I, I think living in fear, someone had mentioned I live in fear, and I think I've always lived in fear. My parents were both alcoholics and drug addicts and now they're in recovery. My sister was an alcoholic. My daughter's dad was a drug addict. And I thought I, you know, broken that cycle and married someone and he's an addict and he has a lot of addictive behaviors and he's in full swing. And last night, like for the past two weeks that we've actually been separated I want to say since June, I've been living in such fear that I've lost a lot of weight. I can't think. I can't eat. I feel like I can't breathe. There are days that go by that every time I want to put something in my mouth, I feel like, do I deserve to eat this? Um, but yesterday I went to go play golf because I'm trying to see if I even like the things that we did together. Do I really like those? Fear of... Um, not being as good as the other ladies, fear of it was going to rain, and it did. Um, fear that he wasn't going to come home at all, but happy. The thought that he may not come home. And I went to bed about 10.30. I got up at 11.45. That seems to be my MO, so maybe I just need to stay up later. I think out of paranoia because he's not not home. I want to go to sleep, so I don't know when he is home. And I got up and I went outside to see if his car was here because I'm not going to knock on his door or go in his room. And he still wasn't here. And I got up, I think, at like 5.30, you know, my time. And went out there and his car was here. But just, you know, 
confusing of, again, living in fear, him texting me and telling me to do great and I go play golf and me asking him if he's going to be ready to leave October 1st. And he just glazes over it because he wants to stay here and have his cake and eat it too, so to speak, and live this great life that we have, but be able to go out and play poker or be with women or do whatever he wants. Um, and the hurt that I feel every day consumes me. And yesterday I tried to shove food in my mouth really fast so I could, you know, either drink it or like just cram it down. So I felt like if I did get to play, I'd be able to function. And afterwards it took everything for me not to throw up and I didn't, but just that, and my mother, she's in recovery. She's like, why do you do that to yourself? And I said, because I feel like I don't deserve to be nourished. I don't deserve to have anything in my mouth that tastes good. I eat the most bland food so I can just... Nice gentle reminder. Thank you. Just to get it down. So if everybody could just keep me in their prayers today that I can stay, stay strong, try to eat and try to feel better about myself and just remove him from my life, I would appreciate it. Thanks for letting me share. Uh, we're glad you're here, Michelle. It's the steps, the steps, the steps. Okay, we got Emily followed by Janet. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. This is Emily, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Chicago. Grateful to be here. Uh, available to sponsor and so excited to share, which is like excited to share about remorse, horror, and hopelessness. Who would know? Um, and the thing is, I read this first sentence is like, part of the problem for me was it was forgettable. I had those feelings um, right, uh, right before I got abstinent. I mean, truly felt like I was standing at the gate of either going insane and, and truly, like, that is available to me. I'm no better or worse than anyone else. But going insane and really feeling that sense of impending calamity or going to God. And that was in mid-April of this year. Um, I've been around the rooms for eight years. I've even had abstinence before. But I really did not have any sort of spiritual solution that I relied upon. I relied a lot on my sponsor and the big book will go on to tell us, right? Like we can do this without anyone, presumably so grateful to have each other because I access God on these phone lines every morning, but, but I was relying on people and, and relying on diets and relying on myself. That's really the kicker. Um, and, and I had that choice. And for some reason, right, as uh, I had the willingness on April 20th to reach out um, to a woman who lives on the other side of the country from me, which is also so bizarre to, to even be able to do that. Um, and we started working together. So I do want to say to the newcomer, of which I identify very much as a neophyte and a newcomer, um, that, you know, I've worked the steps over the course of five months. It doesn't have to take forever. And as soon as I put down the sugar and the flour, I had a couple of days, really just a couple of days that were hard. I mean, hard, like holding on, like, can I do this? Um, 
And then I started to feel the relief. The substances had to get out of my system. And then I had some clarity to really start working the steps. Um, and for me, it's all about stilling my rising nerves. That is how I was living. I just wanted to feel peace. Someone mentioned earlier about now I have freedom versus relief, but relief was my main motivator. And I was suffering profoundly from emotional buildup. Um, and then really sort of, you know, maybe I could hold on for a little bit before I was eating Tostitos in bed at night and waking up with crumbs in my mattress. Um, but really the food was the last thing to come. It was that emotional buildup. You know, we talk so much about the physical allergy and the twist in the mind. And my mind can be a really dangerous place to be alone. I have to turn things over to God. Um, but I was raised to be independent, a strong woman, independent, ultra independent even. And so asking for help became such a core skill in this program. Uh, and asking God for sure, but also asking all of you and asking other people to help me find God when I'm feeling restless and irritable and discontent, when I'm feeling like I won't sort of get through something. Thank you, Larry. I have to go to God and I have to go to all of you. Um, so with that, I pass and thank you for listening. Oh, thanks, Emily. Glad you're here. Okay, we have Janet followed by Joy to the world. Hi, Janet. Good morning. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B. Recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. So I was looking at that line, the, remor the remorse, horror, and hopelessness. Um, and I'm always one, if I'm sitting at a meeting and they're reading a story, I always just flip the pages to the end because I want to see what they did to get better. So here's Bill filled with remorse, horror, and hopelessness. Uses three adjectives to describe the illness. And then on page eight, the paragraph that starts trembling, he says that he was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Again, three adjectives to describe recovery. And something I think is so beautiful there, he says, it's more wonderful as time passes. Just like this illness is progressive, recovery is progressive. We start with just a little bit of peace, power, happiness, and it just keeps going. And then the thing I always want to know in the stories is how did the person get from point A to point B, from the remorse, horror, and hopelessness to happiness, peace, and usefulness? And I think the best summation of it is on page nine um, when he talks about what Ebby said to him. He said he didn't rant but he just told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. And I was thinking, breaking that down, like the simple religious idea, trusting and relying on God, but also surrender, surrender that I'm to do God's will as best as I can. I think so many people get tripped up by saying, I don't understand God. I don't understand. But I don't think that's really what gets us tripped up. I think what gets us tripped up is, we don't do what we know. We know we need to stop lying. We know we need to think of others. So a simple religious idea, do what I know to submit to God and a practical program of action, clear away the wreckage of my past and then help others. And then the coolest line, he says, that was two months ago. This can all be done 
in two months. So I was thinking about it. Like anyone who's struggling now who picks up this book and does what's in it, just simple, simple religious idea, practical program of action can be recovered by Thanksgiving. And then, boy, as we sit around that table, will we have something to be grateful for? And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Janet. Pretty much appreciated. Okay, Joy, it's your turn. Good morning. Joy, press star one. Sorry about that. I was muted. Okay. <laughs> um, you had called for people today that were scared to share, and so I knew that was me. <laughs> My name is Joyce C., and I am a gratefully recovered uh, compulsive overeater. Um, so as we were reading this, the part that really stuck out to me was how it talked about the courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. For me, that really stuck out to me because um, a week ago, tomorrow, I almost had a slip and I didn't even realize it. Um, I've been abstinent for three and a half months and I'm not sure where I took a left turn, but I definitely did. Um, I shared with my sponsor something that I was going to consume and she called me right away and and was asking me what was going on and um thankfully she stayed on the phone with me till I got rid of it um I did not realize that um I was basically standing out on the window ledge ready to jump and denying I was even standing there so I I had that cocksureness that we read about yesterday um and I'm not really sure how I got there but I definitely am so appreciative that that I had someone I could reach out to that I trusted to kind of guide me back to a clear state of mind and something that I really learned from that is how this disease changes itself it's not always one thing um, it sort of was trying to lull me into a false sense of safety with foods that were definitely my alcoholic foods um, so it just reminded me that my sick mind cannot cure my sick mind and that I need my sponsor and my OA fellows to help guide me and for me to be there for them as well. Um, because I, like someone else had mentioned, um, obviously had forgotten what my alcoholic foods had done in the past and um, it's really scary to forget that because when you forget, that means that that for me, I wasn't that far from doing it again. Um, I'm really thankful for this group. I'm really thankful for the people that share. Um, I've been coming to this meeting for probably about four months and I've gotten so much from it, but I don't know why I was so afraid to share. Um, so I just want to thank everyone for being here. And I'm just really thankful to be recovered still. Um, as someone says, recovered is not cured. So I'm thankful for this 24 hours that I have. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Wow, Joy. 
Didn't sound scared. So appreciative. Okay, we're on page. Whoops, we're on page uh, six, the first paragraph, remorse, horror, and hopelessness. Who wants to take a chance? Barbara M. from Pennsylvania. Loretta H. Jason K. Christine M. Let's hold it there. Let's hold it there. Okay. I'm so sorry. I heard Russ, Russ, (laughs) and I heard someone from Pennsylvania. You know who you are. And then I heard, was it a Lori? I heard Jason and Christine. Loretta H. Uh, Loretta. Loretta. That's who it was. Loretta. Let's start with. Let's start with Russ. Yeah, I got you, Christine. If we get to you, I heard Russ, that person from Pennsylvania, Loretta, Jason, and Christine. Russell, good morning. Hey, Russ, press that one, my friend. There you go. Good morning, Larry. There you go. Good morning, family. Good morning. I'll try to make it quick, honestly. <laughs> I mean it, right? So, you know, a couple pages Pass. back, like we said, uh, um, Bill's, uh, I, I wouldn't commit suicide. I go back to the bar, right? So in my mind, in my, my situation, you know, I had that same perspective with the 12 steps. My, my Abby said, look, why don't you try 12 steps? I said, man, why would I do that? Why would I do that? I'm Russ I don't need that. That's for weak people. But by the time it was all said and done, I was ready to kill myself. I was despairing. I had no hope, nothing, nothing. So I identify with Bill on that. And, you know, it's like after you see that, it's like buckle up your seatbelt. You know, the spiritual program of action, it, it, it restored me and it's brought me back to life. So, you know, for those that are that, that battle with it and are you know, apprehensive, they're scared. Look, man, I, like Harlan said, this, this, this disease kills you. It takes everything from you, and you live misery. But in a short time, with a little bit of hard work and developing and perfecting a spiritual life, you can be free, and you can deal with life. You're able to deal with life. This, this, it never fails. Now, everything you need is in this book and in this program because it's going to direct you right to God and You'll be dependent on him, and in, in the end, when it's all said and done, you'll have it. You'll you'll have a life that you never thought you could have. So, love you guys. Have a beautiful day. Thanks, Russ. Much appreciated. Okay, someone from Pennsylvania. I didn't catch your first name. Bob by Loretta. Who's that? There's only like 50 people on the line from Pennsylvania, right? <laughs> That's not very helpful. But someone said their name from Pennsylvania. Press star one. Barbara M. from Pennsylvania. That's who it is. Hey, Barbara, good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I have about 10 days now of abstinence and extremely grateful for that. And the sentence that um, stood out to me that then a mental fog settled down and Jen would fix that. And that's how I felt. I, when I was overeating, I felt sick and starving and this big hole in me. And I knew or thought I knew that if I ate, that that would take care of it. And all it really did was 
make me sick and fall asleep and um, then the whole remorse and hopelessness would set back in. And now that I'm abstinent, I'm finding that I'm not starving, I'm not sick, and now with about 10 days abstinence that those toxins are releasing from me because the first week or so I've I've had horrible headaches, I couldn't sleep, I was just miserable. But I've held on to praying to God and reaching out to others and this meeting and so today I'm feeling so much better. I'm exercising and I agree with that sentence on page nine about the ability to recover quickly and hopelessness has left me. Now I feel very hopeful and very grateful. Thank you for letting me share. I'm oh, so glad you're here, Barbara. Okay. I'm not sure if we'll get to you, Christine, but we have Loretta followed by Jason. We'll see where we're at. Loretta, good morning. Good morning, Larry, and good morning, my fellow travelers. This is Loretta H., compulsive reader, anorexic, graced with God, destined for today, and recovered for today. Uh, the market would recover, but I wouldn't. And I took that kind of literally in a way because um, – I had a career that actually had a weight restriction, and I spent a lot of time traveling, but I spent a lot of time in supermarkets. And, um, yeah, the market would recover, but I wouldn't. And I could identify in with Bill because my last debacle was exactly like Bill's. I wanted to jump off my terrace in New York City. I was at my wit's end. I could not stop binging. That was in 2001. And with God's grace, and, you know, I prayed and prayed and prayed, and I still remember my last debacle. I'll never forget it. And for some unknown reason, God graced me with a recovered person on January 6th. And she took me through the steps. She never even drank, but every time we would run together in the morning, she would go to an AA meeting and get a lot of her recovery from AA. And today, as I've shared before, my abstinence is spiritual. It's practicing the principles in all my affairs. My food plan is a tool, and I do still text it. I'm accountable and honest with it because that's my powerlessness. Step one is honesty. And I am the most dishonest person in the world unless I can turn my will and my life over to God. And um, I've shared this acronym, but seriously understanding real recovery entails not debating every reason. And that is surrender. And today I surrender. And yesterday I had God's grace. And it's only because this program, I just redid my steps. And I was able to go to a priest and make amends for my contempt of religious people. And it was so wonderful. It was, I came out of that session singing and dancing. Because, and only, only because of this program have I been able From my darkest past, 124, have I been able to avert misery 
for myself and others. And it's God. It's all God. And he has just graced me with this abundant, beautiful life. And that's what I was telling you, Precious. I wouldn't trade it for all the food in China. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Loretta. Okay, Jason, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. This is Jason Kay, uh, one of the many from Pennsylvania here on the line. And uh, I just love what Bill's driving at here. Uh, he's telling his story to allow for other alcoholics to get this book to identify. And we're looking at in the previous paragraph that, you know, he, he has this relapse. He's banging on the bar. He doesn't explain why it happened. He just said he found himself there, as, you know, a strange mental blank spot, a mental twist. He didn't have a trigger. He didn't get resentful. He was prideful. He thought he could do it on his own. He didn't understand the nature of this illness. And so what he's doing is, after a, a period of being dry, of being sober, being accident, he goes back. He goes back and he's he's filled with remorse, horror, and hopelessness. Now, if you're a real compulsive eater like me, you might be able to identify with this. And, you know, what's this courage to do battle? For me, I was always trying to get this. I was going to go, go, go. I had this hypervigilance. I was going to, um, you know, get the diet, get the food down, get the abstinence, you know, um, work, 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 work. And then there'd be times when that thought to eat would come up and I'd just say, screw it. I can't fight it. I cannot, I could not think of uh, going through that battle again to, to fight it off, to use my willpower to, you know, to, um, yeah, to engage in that fight. And that thought would come in to eat compulsively and I'd, 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 I'd just, I'd be off. I'd go and I couldn't do it. And he's saying here, am I going to recover? The markets would recover. Would I? And, he, and he's wondering. He's not sure. And, you know, this is a very, very powerful disease for me. It took, took me and uh, was, you know, a very corroding thread throughout my life. And he's sitting there in this. And, and, and what's his solution? The insanity of this all is to blot it out, to, to go for oblivion, um, to get away from it, to blot out his consciousness. Um, so do you identify with this this morning? Can we see ourselves in Bill? Can we see our first step of what this malady really is that we can't rely on our minds? If we get prideful and think we have this, uh, we're probably further away from having it than uh, we realize. Uh, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Jason. Uh, okay, selfishly, I need to hear from Christine. So, Christine, are you there? Press star one. Thank you. Um, first share with Vision, so I'm a little nervous, but I'll make it very quick. Me too. Um, I'm 11 days in abstinence, and I have a beautiful sponsor. And this paragraph really, really, I had to share on it. Um, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness. Um, month after month, feeling my sugar so high, I can't see. But, um, and I was eating everything every calamity was happening to me this past year and uh, all night place supplied me with ale i would go to special family gatherings and just eat and eat and eat and the mental fog I cleaned out my house but um my brain raced uncontrollably because i know i was killing myself um the thing that I've learned and I'm learning through this fellowship and the big book and starting step one is that my food does not 
need to be a calamity. And I definitely don't want to kill myself. So I'm very thankful to everyone here. And with that, I pass. Uh, what a great way to end. Thank you so much, Christine. And uh, thank you to everybody who has shared and joined us this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, that number is 15,375. That's 15375. We're going to now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Bonita, buenos dias. Hi, this is Vanita L., recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man and woman who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with God is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God and as you understand God. Admit your faults to God and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.